Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to the first team. I'm Joe DeLeon. Joining me as always, Ryan Roberts, Irish Breakdown recruiting analyst. And today we're going to be doing our first scouting report episode of the cycle. We're in the middle of the season. Actually, not in the middle of the season. The season is coming to a close. We've got about three or so weeks left, depending on when you're consuming this. And it's that time to turn the page, start watching some of these 2024 NFL draft prospects, the guys that we know for sure that are going to be maybe senior bowl participants and Ryan, I started us off with with two guys that were featured on the Senior Bowl's uh, mid-season All-Americans, that being Brandon Coleman from TCU, the offensive tackle, and then Talise Fuaga, who I was a big fan of out of Oregon State, the right tackle. I might be an even bigger fan of him, which is an insane thing to think. We're going to get to both of these guys. Um, I I don't know about you. I feel like this class, though, just in general, just a kind of quick overview – I don't really totally know who who the upperclassmen are. You know, I feel like that for a grouping of a lot of COVID players with all yep. these guys with extra eligibility, I feel like a lot of the big drivers are younger players. Uh, which I think is typically the case, especially at offensive tackle, because it's one of the positions yeah. that is a it's one of the positions that is the most important on the football field. So I think typically in draft classes quarterbacks, offensive tackles, pass rushers, corners are typically driven by underclassmen. So that's not usually usually those those like high profile positions, those positions that are most important on the next level, they don't usually return to school typically. Yeah. I mean, offensive tackles is I guess a you I guess they can return to school because offensive line development physically is so important during their college careers, but I mean, I agree with you. I think that we're talking, obviously, about the Joe Alts of the world. Olu Fashano is technically a senior, although he even has more eligibility if he wanted to go back to school. So uh, yeah. J.C. Latham is a junior. But certainly starting with two toolsy kids today, you know, guys that have a name yeah. and have some size profile to them. I'm excited, especially about one of them. I feel like I'm going to be higher on at least one of them than you are, but we, we will see very soon here, man. We'll really? Yeah, I, it's so. definitely not Fuaga because you know that I like Fuaga. So I'm actually surprised that you're you're in on. Okay, so let's start with Brandon Coleman. Oh, from well, I didn't say I was in on Brandon Coleman. I okay. didn't say I was in. Okay. Just stop okay. reading my mind. Let's go here. Let's do it. Uh, Brandon Coleman from TC is 6'6", 320. Big, big dude. Very, very long arms. And as we always do on the show, you always have a good tidbit. Uh, any background on, on Brandon Coleman? I mean, he's he's played both interior and on offensive tackle on TCU's roster. He is listed, I believe his official measurement was actually 6'4 and some change. So he's a little oh, bit shorter really? than 6'6. Yeah. Let me, let he me doesn't look. He doesn't that. look the, in that 6'4. I, by the way, I always kind of giggle to myself after the fact, thinking of the fact that we, you know, we nickel and dime the, the heights and weights of some of these guys. But he doesn't really, he gives me that full 6'6 feel at least his arms i think could be maybe 34 35 plus he's got some, he's got some huge arms we do not have a measurement on the arms on him but he was in the summer he was in the, sorry in the spring 64 and 3/8 so 64 yeah. and a half 320 pounds 
And he had a second round grade from Blesto in the preseason, a mid second wow. round grade. So yeah, man, some people really were very high on Brandon Coleman. He's played left tackle for TCU, like I said. He's played inside a guard. I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation because I think the length is good to your point. I think that there's going to be a very unique conversation of is this a kid though that would fit better inside comparative to than at offensive tackle? That is a conversation I think will be had by a lot of scouts this summer or this off season, not summer idiot. Sorry. Move forward. <laughs> you're, you're, you're good. We're, we're, we're um, a little rusty and just like we are rusty. I didn't even think to consider maybe bumping one of these guys into guard. Now I think both these guys could play guard and I think Fuaga could play guard at a really high level if he chose to play that or someone chose to put him there which we saw happen with Peter Skaronsky. It's certainly on the table. But specifically with Coleman, uh, now that you bring that up, I I think that's certainly plausible. I think that that makes a little sense. And if you look at his physical profile, average foot speed, his his angles aren't great. Um, He might play better when he's got less space around him. I think that he's somebody that doesn't really kick and move well enough to ang- uh, to mirror and, and keep guys in front of him. What does help is the length. Like the length is silly how long his arms are. That is a really huge plus for his game of keeping guys in front of him. And I think that some NFL teams are going to have him higher on their boards just simply because of how long his arms are and that they think maybe we can get something out of this guy. But in general, the foot speed, the athleticism isn't great for me. Very stiff. Uh, I didn't see a very bendy player, a big time waist bender, and you see a general lack of power as a pass protector. Not a lot of pop in his hands. I didn't get a guy that was going to really deliver a a devastating blow or or drive anybody off the line of scrimmage, which is why I think I'm a little Mm -hmm. bit, a little bit more conservative with Coleman. I liked his hands a lot more than you, apparently. Not necessarily saying that he had like. I'm not saying he necessarily had like brass knuckles in his in his mitts, right, as far as his punch. But I do think that he has very, very good grip strength. That was the thing that I was most impressed on, especially in the run game. I felt like when he finally fitted in to get inside positioning on guys, inside the chest plate, I really thought that it was game over a lot of times in the run mm-hmm. game especially and was able to really gain control quickly. I think that there is just a lot of power in that lower half. He's a pretty densely built kid overall. So I think when he fits inside, he's able to get inside positioning. He's got some devastating power in the run game, potentially. Pass protection is, I think he's been well coached. I think he's experienced as far as where to attack. But I agree with you in the sense that I think that this kid has incredibly tight hips. Like inside counters are going to be a devastator to him on the next level. I think his kick slide speed is efficient enough where he's not going to be beat outside shoulder a ton. But the problem is on the next level when you have to overcompensate because he is going to he is going to overset at times, which just basically means that his chest is going to open up to the sideline. He's going to give it up and give up an inside lane. I do think that he's going to have to overcompensate because he does not have great foot speed. It's below average foot speed. So I I genuinely just think he's a guard on the next level. I think he's a guy, though, that that power profile and the frame that he has, I think can play inside a guard and can play potentially well. I think it's good for his evaluation, especially if we're talking about a kid that might end up going day three, potentially. Mm. We'll see where he ends up lying. That the experience at offensive tackle is a good thing. That's a sticking point thing. The more positions you've shown that you could at least be passable at, 
the more valuable your projection becomes. So I think the offensive tackle, it's it's good experience for him, but I don't think that he's an offensive tackle at the next level. I think he's a guard. I think he is a guard. That ability to play multiple positions is going to really help him, and, and having experience doing it is going to be a major plus on his report. Now that I think about it, and now that we're talking about the guard stuff, I think I actually might give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt more than I was on my grade originally. Um, I'm well, still going to keep That's him. how it works. That's how it works, Joe, is like if, yes. I, if I look at a player and I say, where is his grade lying as an offensive tackle? And I look good. at him and say, like, I don't <laughs> think he's an offensive tackle. I mean, like, I'm not, I don't know if I would even draft Brandon Coleman necessarily to be an offensive tackle. I think it's just a valuable a part of his evaluation. Player. Right. But as a guard, I think the evaluation is completely different because I think he fits there a whole lot better. So, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, but you could do that for every player, right? I mean, like, there's mm-hmm. even some offensive tackles that are really good in the NFL where it's like, I don't know if they'd be great guards, right? Because they're not guys that genuinely. Like Joe Walt, for instance, right, for Notre Dame. Joe Walt has a very high grade as an offensive tackle. As a guard, I'm all right. I'm like, no, no, thank you. Like, he's- or like Mike McGlinchey, I would never, or Colton Miller. Yes. Like these guys that are really long aren't necessarily yeah. like mauling drivers, but what makes exactly. them so good is that they move well for their size and they've got really good length. Exactly. They understand how to manipulate players with their foot quickness and their ability to use angles. They are not people movers. Like Joe Walt's been better as a run blocker this year, but he's never going to be a guy that I'm just like, that dude's a butt kicker inside, right? Like he's never going to be that guy. So, I mean, first round caliber player in Joe Walt is probably a day three caliber player if I'm projecting him inside a guard. Like it's just not a position that's going to work best for him. And that's kind of why all this stuff is very fascinating to see how people C players and where we ultimately peg them positionally because that could completely change what the formula is. So with that in mind, him being a, a guard slash tackle for me on uh, on my board now, I, I'm going to give him a top 150 grade. I think that, but a very low top 150. I think that this is a, a mid to early uh, day three pick, and I I think naturally, as I said a second ago, a lot of times with these NFL teams, you can talk a scouting room. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. I'm a general manager into saying, you know, this guy's got really long arms, and when yep. he uses them, he's a pretty good player. We don't need to bring him in to start, and he's probably not going to start for us. But to have a valuable sixth offensive lineman is something that not a lot of teams have. To have a guy – we just watched on on Thursday Night Football, and again, depending on when you're watching, this is coming out the Monday following Thursday Night Football. But we saw the Tennessee Titans go down with multiple offensive line injuries. I think P- uh-huh. Petit Friere went down, Skaronsky went down. To have that sixth guy that can hop on, get on yep. the field – do some stuff and at least play a series or even a finish out a game. 
that stuff's mm-hmm. valuable. So I think a guy like Coleman, who's played multiple positions, who could play, I think maybe any guard spot or any tackle spot you need him to. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a very good projection for him. I would say. I mean, for me, I, I I'm a, a slightly bit higher, but not f- crazy higher, right? Like I have a, I have a late third round grade on him. And I think that he is potential to hear him ser- his name called somewhere on the in the late day two range because can't teach experience at offensive line like you no. just can't teach that right and he has those components he's played multiple positions he's got a power profile he's got grip strength I think he understands how to I, I think he understands what he's good at and what he isn't good at too which I think is a big thing right like some guys don't know what their weaknesses are and then people are able to constantly exploit it I think Brendan Coleman knows what his weaknesses are so as a developmental guard a guy that also has some swing potential early on in his career I think Brandon Coleman could be a very valuable asset to a team. You know, he reminds me of Joe. I don't know if you know this player too much, but I, Bobby Evans came out of o- Oklahoma a few, a few years ago who has yeah, started some games for the LA Rams at both right tackle and inside a guard was kind of the same thing. A little bit of a tweener as far as what his projection was, but he became a, a very valuable swing player for the Rams early on in his career. And he started some football games. And I think that you can see a very, a ve- very, a, a comparable, I guess, projection for a for a Brandon Coleman as far as early on, you're a backup swing, valuable asset there, and then maybe you're a starting guard year two, year three. That's how I kind of see Brandon Coleman. Make sure you check out Bet Online for all of your sports betting needs. For anything that I do betting related, I go on over to betonline.ag and I use promo code Believe50. Bet Online has all of the latest updated odds the NFL and college football seasons, anything you need, whether it's futures, live in-game betting, no matter what, your football betting needs are met at BetOnline. And again, make sure you use that promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's absolutely draft season when we're spending 12 minutes talking about uh, a swing guard tackle that's probably going to be a backup in the NFL. I, we have to spend Damn. a lot of time on this on this next guy, Ryan. Dude, I think that Talese Fuaga got better. Talese Fuaga at yeah, a hulking 6'6", 330 pounds. I, I, I loved him. I gave him a top 50 grade in summer scouting. I watched him, and five minutes in, I'm like, oh, my man got so much better, and he was already good. He... I already knew he was a good athlete for his size yes. and for being yes. a top heavy guy. He moved well, but I don't know. There's just like a, there's a little more power. There's a little bit more pop. There's a little bit more spatial awareness and understanding of how to play the position a little bit better. We'll break that down in a second. Um, I don't remember what exactly, if there was any big background on him that we had from over the summer. Now he was a, so he's a, he's a Washington state player in high school I mean he was a he was only a three-star recruit coming out of high school played both sides of the football was a defensive lineman 10 and a half tackles for loss five sacks as a senior Can't imagine as a defensive lineman that's scary <laughs> play the Polynesian Bowl I mean so like he's got a pretty like basic background but he came in as a 2020 kid so he's got the 2020 COVID year if he chooses to use it. I mean, technically, Talese Fuaga could go back to school if he felt like it. I don't think there's any chance that he does, ultimately. Yeah. Because the Senior Bowl is very high on him, and NFL scouts, to my to my understanding, are also very high on him. So, a pretty general background, man. He's been starting the right tackle for Oregon State over the last couple of years. Quietly, 
Oregon State has has had one of the better offensive lines in college football over the last two yeah. years. And Fuaga, because they have the 11 good kids, center's a pretty good player. Jonathan Gray at left tackle is going to be a, a yeah. developmental guard at the next level. So they, they got some guys there, man. They had Brandon Skipper or Kipper, excuse me, Brandon Skipper. Brandon Kipper a couple years ago that's uh, I think was drafted potentially in the late day three, mm. I believe, at right tackle. So they've had some guys, man. They've had some guys over the couple, last couple of years. It's so goddamn funny. You're watching tape, and then you just watch DJU throw the most back-breaking throw, that, like a dropped, obvious dropped interception from a line. There was one throw I watched him, and there was not a single Oregon State receiver. And I'm like, why am I watching this? I wish I didn't have to watch DJU. I'm so it, scarred it's, it's okay, by watching man. DJU. Uh, hey, remember I, when you, going... you you tried to talk him up a couple years ago? Remember that? Remember when you well, were like oh. that? That was him as a as a true junior or whatever he yeah. was, and he was having problems. But you saw the tools, and you're like, okay, maybe yeah. if this guy comes out and he looks a little bit better, and his receivers are better, and sure. he has been so stagnant since he's been a freshman. I've never, yeah. I've never seen something like this where a guy hasn't progressed. But Talise Fuaga absolutely yes. has progressed. He is to the cliche a dancing bear. He moves really well for his size. His lower half isn't as filled out as his upper half, but it doesn't really matter because he gets fantastic leg drive. I think his progression is very similar to that of Darnell Wright, and I would not be shocked. I'm going to say it right now. I wouldn't be shocked if Talise Fuaga does not end up being a, a top 15 pick when it's all said and done. I think that he is on that type of a projection. As a run blocker, as I said, great leg drive. He is very yeah. physical. He plays with really good angles. He is an eliminator as a run blocker. I also love guys that look for work. He's a guy who's just like, all right, yep. who's next? Who wants to get hit next? Pass protection, fantastic. I have no issues with the way that he pass protects. I think that sometimes he shows some weakness against speed rushers because he's ultimately for a 330, 340-pounder. It's not going to be super easy to keep up with these fast guys. But sure. the thing that I was in awe of, and I, I wrote down a couple plays that I'm going to clip off later and post on Twitter, there were a number of plays where he delivers a punch in pass protection or as a run blocker, and guys just crumple. That stuff does not happen. That is rare power that it looks easy, and he completely demolishes guys. There was one play, I think it was like number four for UCLA. Uh, he's one of their speed rushers, and he was going head-to-head -head with a guard, and he delivers this punch, and he hits him so hard that his chest just completely bends and he's out of the play immediately like just completely destroys this poor kid because he punches him so hard in the chest that to me is uncoachable that is stuff that you're not going to find and I think immediate plug and play right tackle he has gotten so much better after already coming into the summer with a very good grade the UCLA game was pretty fun huh it's pretty fun time. I, I watched that you one as well. you watched that in oh. Utah, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah. he's going to struggle, or not struggle, but show some signs of weakness. And there is not a second of it. Yeah, uh, UCLA was really impressive because they got the left tackle a ton in that game. Jonathan Gray, like he had a little mm. bit of a tough time against the Murphys, and um, what, what's his name? Uh, Latu actually Number didn't play a ton against Gray. He played more against um, played more against. Fuaga, from what I saw, at least. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah. Um, Joe, I want to flash this back to summer scouting. Do you remember who told you to watch Talise Fuaga? 
You you did. You did. I did, man. I did. Which somehow, I'm glad that you did. I, I remember I, I remember he finishes my OT six in the summer. He had just missed my really? top five because the tools are awesome. But I, I wanted to see a, a year of development because I still thought there were some things as far as hand placement and just generally changing direction and body reshaping that I wanted to see happen for Tulis Fuaga. And so far this year, I mean, honestly, I, I one of the most improved prospects overall is Talise Fuaga, in my opinion. I think you saw it was one of the first reps in the UCLA game where it was against Layatu Latu. And he basically just did a pure speed rush. And then, but it's crazy how good Fuaga is out of his stance, isn't it? Like you don't really get yes. around him very easily. But then he, so he sets and then Latu tries to hit an inside counter on him. And Fuaga just easily changes direction, just easily, and then works back inside and is able to cut off the inside track. And, like, that stuff for 6'6", 325-plus pounds, that's rare stuff, man. Like, guys don't really typically change direction like that, especially in a 45 or vertical set, because I think it was just a 45-degree set on that one. But, like, that, it's hard, right, playing in reverse a ton. And he does that. And But his best part of his game, I think, and the most biggest improvement in his game, his hands are great now, man. They're fantastic. Like, he he actually gave Latu a little bit of early hands on that rep. One Latu swiped. He was able to just kind of put hand fight and get his hands back in, in proper positioning and work that counter. And I'm just like, dang, dude, like, that's advanced hand usage yeah. for a guy that I thought was a little bit raw in 2022 as far as using his hands. So his hands are fantastic now. He's a really good athlete, and he still has the moments. My favorite thing ever is seeing him, though, either work as uh, in screen game or in out- outside zone to his side where it's just yes. like, dude, yeah. you should not be able to move like that. Like very Penny Sewell-ish athletically as far as – that dude's massive. He's huge, but for whatever yeah. reason, he just looks fantastic in space. Like there's something. I, I there. don't think he's as he's not as bendy because Penny Sewell is like an oh, unreal level of bendy. Freak. I mean, there's a reason he yeah. went top five, right? Like he's a freak. Right. So that that actually, I will say, if we were to pinpoint because we're trying to be balanced here in our evaluation and not just completely talk up a kid. You know, he's he's not super flexible. You know, he's he's definitely built to play right tackle. I wouldn't throw him at left tackle. I don't think that he would succeed I actually as think much he would, left tackle. I think he would suck in no, – not suck. That's a very hard <laughs> – I, I think he would struggle. I think he would struggle inside a guard because I don't think he is great yeah. hit bend. I don't think that he's going to play with, like, low pads all the time. He's just a massive dude to get around, and when he gets it on a track out in space – Kid moves phenomenally well. I'm not surprised at all that he played defensive line in high school because, like, my guy can move, man. He's a really talented athlete. I, I also think that he's scheme versatile, but as we've seen against Oregon State, uh, he's best suited and I think will be most successful in a zone scheme just because just he moves well. He gets out of his stance easy. Um, <clears throat> there's really not a lot of slow down or pick up when he needs to. He just charges forward, hits one guy, hits the next guy. He's, I love that stuff. He, he's a dancing bear, man. And I, I feel like we say that too often. It's such a cliche. We don't actually. We usually don't. Yeah, I we think actually that- don't. <laughs> you're, you're right. We we don't say it, but like I feel like you hear it a lot. And it's like, it's such a cliche for just saying a big guy is fat, but it's fun to watch him move, right? But like this kid is not fat, though. He is just a massive young man. But you look at him and you get quick assumptions to like – 
His foot quickness isn't going to be great. He's not going to be overly flexible. He's just going to kind of be mm. a stiff board, right? But then you watch him and you're like, nah, like Duke can move. You know who he, here, here's probably a better comparison, although he's not nearly as big, but Jordan Mailata that plays with the Eagles is the same thing where like, I look at Jordan Mailata. I'm like, that dude's going to be stiff as a board. He's not going to be able to bend. He's not going to be able to move and, and, and be able to counter inside with his footwork. And then you can't get around him or get by him because his foot quickness is so rare for a player his size. So yeah, the dancing bear thing is way overplayed, but Talese Fuaga is a dancing bear. That kid's athleticism pops immediately as soon as you watch him. I, I kind of like that Darnell Wright comp the more that I think about it because the the both of them are, you don't like that? They're they're both very top heavy the way that they're built. They're both I, I think Fuaga is a much better athlete than Darnell Wright. Okay. Much okay. better well, for that reason, I think he can still yeah. go end up going in the in the top ten. But one other final oh, wait, note wait, is, it, is this a take real quick? Can I make a take real quick? Yeah, he is ahead. a much better pro. Or, yeah, no, he's a much better prospect than Darnell Wright, who just went tenth overall in the twenty twenty three NFL draft. Much better player, much better. I, would I say think that. with with positional value, I really don't think that it is a ridiculous thing to say. I, just to simplify it, Tolis Fuaga as a top twenty five grade for me. But I believe because of positional value and the general lack of capability to find good offensive tackles, this is actually a pretty good tackle class. The more that we we get it exposure is. to it's it, deep. at the very least, yes, the bad players are or not the bad players, the weaker players at least um, have a lot of traits which we usually don't get. Yep. This year, though, I think that Fuaga has solidified himself as a top fifteen pick, and I think eventually there's going to be a team after maybe some of these quarterbacks go, and if Actually, I'm going to say this. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't go before Olu Fashanu. I think that some teams might might prefer him because, you know what, Fashanu hasn't been totally great. I have not evaluated him yet. I have not given a grade to him. It's not going to change from the preseason, but I could totally see some teams talking themselves into saying Fashanu struggled a little bit this year. I, I have a take on Fashanu, Joe, but I'm going to wait until we do the okay. old Fashanu show. So I'm not going to put okay. that one out in the universe. I don't think he has a chance to go higher than Fashanu because Fashanu is a true left tackle in the next level, and that's more valuable than a right tackle, right? But Talese Fuaga is a very good player. I also – this is the one that I actually thought I was going to be higher on than you. I have a top 25 grade on him as well. This kid's a first-round player. Like, just flat-out first-round player, stamp it. If he goes in the second round, so you got tremendous value – Mm. I, I I don't he is a pro bowl level right tackle in the next level if developed properly in my opinion like yeah. multi like consecutive pro bowler like I think he's that good I think he's like I said I think he is a better player than Darnell Wright who went 10th overall last year now I, I'm not necessarily here to say that Talese Fuaga has the chance to go to number 10 overall in the 2024 NFL draft because I also think it's just a better draft class this year than it was last year I think it's deeper especially but if he goes in the top 20, I wouldn't be shocked. If he goes in the first round, I'd be like, yep, that's where he deserves to go. Like, there's no doubt about it. This kid's a starting high caliber right tackle in the next level, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited about him. But also, by the way, you shouldn't you you did this the whole summer. You and I have kind of caught up in our we've caught up in our uh, how we evaluate guys, and I think that we're starting to get to the point where you and I see players very similarly. Um, yeah. Because I've watched enough tape now where I'm starting to pick up, all, up on a lot more things. Because the first year we did it, I, I said this before over the summer, didn't really totally know what I was looking at. And I was still trying sure. to figure stuff out and feel how certain guys 
fit into certain round buckets. And now yeah. I've really figured it out. So what you need to stop you need to stop being surprised. Like, oh, I thought it was gonna be higher on this guy than you, and then we end up having the That's same the grade. Part, man. <laughs> it's the fun part though. It's it's the fun part, you know? Like yeah. we just have I like having a difference of opinion with guys at times, right? It's the di- diverse well, we did on Coleman. You you were higher on Coleman, which I tried to tell you, and you're like, no, I, I that's thought, not the I, case. But I, but I thought we I thought we had a sim. I thought we had like similar yeah. remarks on Coleman, though. Like, did we see him yeah. that much differently? Really? Like, I didn't think we saw him that much no. differently. Just value maybe a little differently, but right. yeah. Hey, man, this is we should change the name of the show to the Guys No Ball Podcast, man, because. Uh, we actually I mean, know football already, unlike some of these other people that, that do draft we're, evaluations. We're, we're already called Hack City on YouTube, so why not, man? Just play a full <laughs> year. At Joe DeLeon at Rise and Draft, folks. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.